I start moving really, really fast, you won't know what to do. Meanwhile, I'm getting so happy that I'm losing weight that I'm running up and down stairs. Actually, I'm literally blocking you so I don't get sick. Oh. <laughs> you don't like shaky cam? It, it'll make me vomit. I, I get so motion sick so fast from that stuff. Oh. <laughs> We're live. He's still doing it. In, in the Jay Lavelle tradition, I have yeah, to do Yeah, I, I am absolutely <laughs> terrible about it. Yeah, I'm bad. Yep. I'm bad at time management, for sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's get the show on the road. Welcome to another episode of Spilling Ink. We are the talk show that takes you behind the book to meet the authors and professionals in the publishing industry. And as you can tell, we've got a whole new cast of characters today. Our regular people are MIA. But that's okay because we have some awesome guest I'm hosts. I'm the irregular today. people. We yeah. got Miss Rebecca Jonesy. <laughs> and of Hi. course, we got Josh Robertson. I mean, this is a special show right there. Hey, everybody. And as soon as Brian sits down, you can't tell if you're sideways or not. That we'll have uh, Brian to come on and, and uh, chat with us a little bit. You okay, Brian? Yeah, I'm sitting at my computer. I'm turning. I like how this show wasn't special until she said Joshua. Yeah, no, right? Just no, top of over here. Robert. That's all. Make it special. Yeah, I carry a certain it. appeal. It takes a it takes a number of years to build up this type of appeal. <laughs> That's a good point. It's it's the beard, isn't it? It's because I don't have a beard. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's what it is. I think it's 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 an attack on the non-bearded. Oh, really? No, it's just a it's just one of my um, what are those things called? Conspiracy theories. Uh huh. Is it because you can't grow a beard? I can grow. Oh, I can grow a dandy beard. It's just that I have sleep apnea, so I can't grow my beard. But as soon as I'm done being fat and I don't need the sleep apnea machine. I'm going to have the most glorious beard this side of beard town. I'm holding you to that. Oh, okay. As soon as I'm done being fat. As soon as you're done being fat. We'll have a beard off between you and Joshua Robertson. There you Ooh. Because you're, you're going to grow yours out like a wizard, right, Joshua? With that, yeah, he's with got that a lot of catch up. Mean, streak in it. We'll he's got a lot to do to catch up. I mean, no, this I'm thing's going to be immaculate. I'm going to get there because you didn't see you didn't see my beard picture of me when I was a keynote speaker at a convention. My beard was freaking gnarly. I'll see if I can find that picture. We'll, we'll take your word for it for now. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think beards <laughs> are supposed to be gnarly. Well, it was amazingly awesome and super sweet. You still had kittens in it. I actually had a, I actually had five birds living in it. Screw oh, God. <laughs> and it three. I had five. Oh, hold on a second. And now I've been here twice. There we go. No more shaky cam. Yep, no more shaky cam and no more um no more mobile tan. They, they just sound very far away. Yeah, oh, we gotta now get closer. Yeah, to the now mic. we can't hear you at all. Is that better? Mm. Oh, Who would have ever thought that Brian would be so hard to hear? Yep. Did you forget to turn your mic on? We can hear that you're speaking. It's going to blow our ears in a moment here. Uh-oh. Get your microphone, Brian. What the hell? How's that? Is that better? Nope. Same. No. Oh, son of my third cousin. Son of a third cousin? That's a new one. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm good at making those. <laughs> Mo sound. <laughs> Thanks, Regine. Oh, boy. I'm always messing. <laughs> I'm going to tell you on this show. I just know it. Oh, you got to love it when we uh, go completely off script. Not that we have a script to begin with. Not sure. Have we started the script yet? Wait, we have a script? Nope. Nope, nope we have it. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe a that? script right better? here. He wants to die. Is that better? No. Nope. No, it's still. Son of a. There's always something. I'm, it's do you, always. Do we want to go with this, this script? Oh, wait. Oh, this script sucks. Are we going to get a reading right. from uh, from Bexy over here? <laughs> Is that oh, one? there we go. All right. That's better. Okay. Apparently, I have another script. Apparently, my, my super mic has failed me. I got one of those around here somewhere, Rebecca. Oh, uh, let's see. <laughs> Wait, what is that book? What she pulled out. Is that Careful, fool. The There's merchandise oh, in that wagon. You will knock it loose and the what price I, will come I break off of your wife's hands. <laughs> Uh, Anne says you're still very quiet. She wants more sound. Oh, all right. Is yeah. this better? Is this the? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's this what is... that's what Regine was saying earlier. Mo sound, mo sound. All right. So here I am, and I can actually hear. That's weird. So my super mic has failed me. Okay. Fair enough. Murphy's <laughs> law. All right. That's Before right. we get started, hold on, because have, we know the boss. Have, you tried, have you tried a magic mic? Well, I'm not stripping it. <laughs> Because the boss is listening. So we have to go on script, at least for the next 20 seconds. All right, ready? Everybody ready? Okay. All right, so our sponsor for tonight, our first sponsor actually, is Go Indie Now, the online indie artist network. They offer exciting new content weekly, monthly, and seasonally, all of which highlight and support and promote indie artists of all forms. You can check them out at goindienow.com, subscribe to their YouTube channel, or follow their links on Facebook. And remember, it's always time to go indie now. All right, so now that we did that part, now we can go back to the fun, all right? Okay. <laughs> okay, then. Because fun is what I'm here Wee! for. Goodbye, script. <laughs> <laughs> and there's enough of all that nonsense. <laughs> I have all of, like two paragraphs that I have to make sure I read on every show. So there you go. I did my work, checked that off the list, and now we're back to the fun. There you go. <laughs> Speaking of which, how are we doing tonight, guys? Yeah, I'm still here. Still standing, still breathing. New dynamic here without the, the regular co-hosts, so kind of yeah. liking this. Don't tell them. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> it has been an excellent day. Hey, um, I'm not, I don't want to be there when you tell Jane that. I mean, just <laughs> give me a warning so I can be happen. elsewhere. She's off enjoying herself. She had two weeks off. So yeah, she's she has probably no camping on said. the beach By the way, somewhere. Jane, I'm totally taking your spot tonight, which means I'm drinking. Oh. And what are you drinking? Yak's milk. It's it's only it's only coffee. Uh-huh. Sure. We believe mm, you. It's just coffee. She's drinking yak's milk in the tears of virgins. That would sound more reasonable for her. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boy, how did I think it's hilarious that you think there would be a virgin around me. <laughs> well, they had to start somewhere. We didn't yeah. say they were willing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's always been my go-to whenever anybody asks me how to do book promotion. Virgins? I'm like, 
I don't even know. It takes a virgin sacrifice at a full moon. I, and, you know, you just can't find the right ingredients these days. That's a good point. <laughs> but at the end of the day, sometimes you just have to snatch someone from the Vienna Boys Choir and do what you got to do. <laughs> I'm not saying I've done it. I'm just saying sometimes you got to. What are you working on these days, Brian? I wouldn't have gone to <laughs> Vienna Boys Choir. I was thinking more like, you know, the nursery at the hospital or something. No. Nah, that's too just, young. That's no. just rude. <laughs> that's just rude <laughs> and very uncouth. Uh, right now, I'm rude. actually... Snatching <laughs> from the Vienna Boys Choir is fine, but a hospital is. That's rude. Yeah, that's, you know what, that's one step too far. And I'm wow. surprised at you. Where's the line? Where, where exactly is this line? You know, I'm not Apparently the one that draws the line. Apparently it's behind me as usual. I'm not the one that draws the line. I'm just the one that finds where it is so I can step over it sometimes. <laughs> not by far, though. Just a good Just stride. a toe, right? Just, just a, toe? a stride. Just a, a toe Oh, oh you're going to go a full step in. Yeah, one full step. A stride. It. Not by far, just a stride. Well, because my stride stride's isn't are, far. I'm only 5'8". I don't have much of a I don't have much of a stride. I'm only 5'8". It's okay. just far enough that when you step over the line it's funny. You're right at the still kind of funny but getting it uncomfortable. Meanwhile, Bex is over here dancing across the line, one foot on one side, like one foot on the other. Like that baby joke. Back and forth. Dude, she got she got on a freaking Segway and just rode past it, Paul Blart style. That's what happened. But to answer Joshua's question, I've actually I've primarily been working on still finishing up on some books. <laughs> Which books? Um, let's see. Right now, my book Ed and Livy is with Ed Souter. Mm -hmm. and he's going through the editing process of that, and he's like, "This is totally different than anything you've written," and I love it. And I'm like. Oh, good. That's <laughs> because, what you want to hear? Yeah, because I thought people were gonna like hate it because it's it's a total departure from anything else I've written. It's it's actually like basis in the real world. There's no vampires. There's no mutants created by science. It's regular people. <laughs> oh, real real people, real emotions, the raw deal. Yeah, yeah, okay. it, and it's There's I, no I actually look hearts. at it, no talking hearts, no. You know, monsters breaking jaws, ripping jaws off of the face. None of that. It's regular people. And it was actually my therapy book, actually. I wrote it when I was going through my divorce. Ah. So when is the release date for this book? Do you know yet? TBD. Um, still TBD. It's going through the editing process now. And that's going to be coming out with Random Evolve Media. Basically, the deal that came with Random Evolve Media was that they would get all of my books that were going to be slated for Burning Willow Press. Okay. So that's the last, that was the last one of the Burning Willow Press group. So this is the build-up question because I'm trying to, to navigate this into Katie's topic. What are you doing before release to start promoting this to get people excited about it? Um, right now, I am working on promoting um, the Bryce Creed book, uh, the first book in the Bryce Creed series, um, The Enforcer. And mostly what I'm doing that is that I'm making up new copy for different posts. I'm coming up with new copy once every two weeks or whatever. So that way I'm not just posting the same thing over and over and over again. I'm, I'm trying to make different promo images and different copy to go not just in the the text of the body, but also the new images as well, just so it can look a little bit different. 
and I'm starting to research a lot of my hashtags a lot more. So that way I know exactly what I want, you know, what's going to be around my topic mm-hmm. and to try to get it out there because I ain't paying for no more posts at all. I'm not paying for any more of that crap. It's way too expensive. Still doesn't get to enough people, even though right now Facebook is in trouble financially because people aren't wanting to, you know, work with them over stuff that's going on. I'm still not paying for my clicks for them. F that. So Thank which sites are you focusing on, Brian? Um, Mostly Instagram and Twitter. I'm still doing posts on Facebook. I'm actually doing three posts on Facebook on my on my personal page, on my author page, and then they made me a, another author page because of my Instagram account. So I've got three of them. I don't know why they made it happen. That seems but strange. They should have just linked to the one you already had. That would have been nice, That's but weird. alas, they didn't. Well, because the my initial author page is Brian A. Tan. This one is just Brian Tan. Uh, like, come on, dude. How many Brian Tans uh, are out there? C- couldn't you send well, a Why didn't you just change your name? Oh, Facebook doesn't like you changing your name. Yeah. They get all weird on you when you do that. Yeah, plus I'm too lazy to change my name. All right, I'm but just... what about Twitter? Because Twitter I've always found is shouting into the void. Like, if I post something, I feel like, why did I even bother wasting the time? Because it just filters out into this just mass ocean of of text well one thing that's kind of helping me on twitter well that i think is helping me that i've been getting a lot of retweets with is that i also include the hashtag black author in black fiction and so some of the some of the um individuals on, on black twitter are catching on to that and are retweeting and liking those posts as well so i kind of i started doing that to sort of catch up on to the 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 new trend of you know black authors finally having getting voices we'll see how well it does you know during releases and everything but but still you know to your to your point it's absolutely right it is it's just yelling into an ocean of negativity like honestly i only have a twitter just to post that stuff out there otherwise i wouldn't even be on twitter See, that was going to be my follow-up is, do you post anything other than book promotion on your Twitter or is it just for book promotion? Mostly book promotion and sometimes plotaholic promotion. Okay. But yeah, sh- Twitter is, it's, it's I literally- I like yelling it's into shouting. the void though. It's fun. You never know what, the, what, what you're going to get back. Well, the well thing a is, stress relief, sure. Like, yelling that's into that's the why void. I like Twitter. You can just say whatever on Twitter and you will get the most random responses and it's just so much fun. I, 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 it's like I've gotten Facebook friends. I've gotten you know followers from that. You know, people just like, you know, this is crazy. I want to see what else she says. Well, see, I also do some of that just to see because you never know. If I get one reader from screaming into the void, then I consider it a victory. Otherwise, and plus, I'm not putting no money into it. Now, as I start getting a little bit of extra money, maybe I'll think about boosting posts again. I mean, but the thing is, is that. Me staying out of shit on Twitter has been even more... Me staying out of any kind of shit on social media at all. I don't... I'm not chiming in on anything political or anything like that anymore. I'm staying completely out of it. Hmm. I just... See, see, where else can you do stuff like that? In my own head. (laughs) Twitter does seem to be a little more... I don't want to say free speech, but people are a little more free with their speech. Whereas yeah. Facebook seems a little bit more reserved, not much, but a little bit more reserved. Well, well, Facebook also, 
I think one of the things, though, is that Zuckerberg is trying really, really hard to appease a lot of, you know, um, shareholders and everything, where Twitter is just, screw it, man. It's Twitter is like a controlled version of the Wild West, because on my Twitter feed, I scroll through there, and I'll have political arguments, yes. movie talk, nudity, book stuff, nudity, and movie stuff, in that order. So, I mean, I think that's probably yeah, part of the right. reason yeah. why. Yeah. That's probably part of the reason why I still maintain a Twitter is for that. And now we all know why I like Twitter. <laughs> and I, I seem to just never manage to get over to Twitter. I used to have auto posters go there, but I, I just don't pay attention to it because oh. I've never liked the platform itself. I've tried to interact on the platform before because, you know, the whole idea of social media is to be social. Right. So I try the social part and it either, you know, it feels like I said, shouting into the void. I don't know if any of these posts are actually ever being seen or if I comment on something, I'm not sure if the person saw it because I never see a response. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it. Why? Well, I'm horrible with it, too. I'm even horrible with my Web page. I should be updating uh, the my other... Web page way more, but I don't. Even Twitter. Though I... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I should say the Twitter is a really. Twitter, though, is it's got J.D. thoughts. I, I did, yeah, I do miss yeah. the sock posts. I was following those for a while, and then I just stopped following Twitter altogether. JD's socks? It is, Twitter is uh, worth it just for JD's posts about his socks. It is amazing. Say, so Twitter's a really complicated platform, though, because in, in order to be successful on there, you have to tweet about 15 to 20 times a day to build a following. And every tweet has about a minute lifespan on there for it to actually catch fire. And at times when I've been really involved in Twitter, um, and I post that post that frequently. I get lots of retweets and lots of likes and a lot of interaction and comments back. But it takes so much interaction to build up that following. And then once you stop after a couple of weeks, your interactions just die. go down. They just die off. Absolutely. Well my, well, my Twitter it's it's taken me five to six years to even get to the point that I'm at right now. And well, because the one thing that a lot of folks don't even realize, and I still tend to forget. Is that I've been trying to use, you know, Facebook and Twitter to promote my writing a lot longer than people have known who I am. Yeah. So honestly, I think both those platforms are not very good for promoting writing. Not really, but I mean, at the same time, honestly, what what I get a lot out of is um Instagram. I get a ton of traction out of Instagram because I think that the hashtags and I think Instagram goes a lot further than Facebook or Twitter do. It those posts go so much further. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you have a post that also involves images, you don't have much of a chance to just spam bullshit out there like you do on Twitter or Facebook. Instagram it takes a little bit more thought. If that makes sense. There there's the problem too though that there are so many social networks out there that it becomes almost a job to keep up with all of them. So you, you have to pick and choose which one you're actually going to be on if you're going to use it, not only for promotion, but just to be social. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. Well, my, my PA, um, shout out to, uh, you know, to Ebony McMillan. She's posting on stuff that, honestly, I don't even hardly see half the time. But she's out there and she's doing it and getting it done. And I get notifications, you know, how she's you know posting for me at all, all the time. So I guess that's also part of the reason why I'm just like, meh, maybe I'll get something as that goes as well. But I think, though, that, and I was talking to um, Richard Pruitt, the, um, the head man over there at uh, Random Evolve Media, and 
a lot of his marketing plans that he had for my my re-release just got plowed into the ground and salted thanks to covid he had all these different a lot of them were traditional marketing as well as internet marketing and because of covid a lot of that like at one point there was some there was a a restaurant out in the southwest area that also has like you know area where you can like put books in there so while they're eating they're reading books and stuff he had to deal to get my books into there he had to deal to get my books into like civil rights museums because oh, he's a black author and because mm-hmm. of covid it's gone mm-hmm. and yeah we're we're all scrambling i think to figure out what to do because a lot of us those of us who do uh <laughs> events over the summer couldn't do any of them they were all shut down so right. we're, we're all trying to figure out what we can do now yep. online to compensate yeah, um one of our our commenters actually has a great more comment than question but about the reach of the different platforms mm-hmm. instagram versus twitter versus facebook are you targeting the the social media platform you're on based on the age group of the people you're trying to reach i know this answer <laughs> so when, when i got my social media and internet marketing certification one of the things that we learned on that um, about five years ago is that yes instagram had a younger audience um overall but i think that's really adjusted and changed quite a bit in the past couple of years we've seen an older audience come to instagram as well but you do want to make sure if you're running advertisements that you are targeting different markets on instagram and facebook and it makes it difficult because they're connected they're owned by the same company so whenever you build a thing for facebook you want to have one ad on facebook that's targeting an older generation and then the one that you build for instagram you want to build over there and make sure it's targeting the younger generation but I, I think that with Facebook, it's really about running ads. It's not about posting on your personal Facebook page. I mean, you know, if you have a page that's a business or for your authorship, that's fine. But with any social media, this is what you and I were talking about beforehand, Katie, it's all about your personality. It's about who you are. And it's about being more than just an author. And that's what right. people relate with and they get behind. And right. if you can do a lot of posts that really exhibit who you are, and your personality and your beliefs, you're going to find more people funneling towards your books because of that representation than just spamming about your novels and your stories all the time. Exactly. I'm getting a lot of that from Instagram because a lot of my posts. Josh just gave me a marketing idea about my weight loss. A lot of my stuff on uh, most of my posts in general, if it's not about my books, it's about my weight loss journey. And Mm -hmm. I get a ton of traction behind my weight loss journey on Instagram. Yeah. Noticing very slowly that as I post my book stuff, those same people that were liking and commenting on my weight loss journey are commenting and liking my Your book, book stuff. promotion. So exactly. that's sort of what I'm putting. And I'm even having people that are in my in on Facebook. Oh, so I heard you're an author. What do you write? And I use that as, a, oh, well, it's funny that you should ask. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you like vampires? I love vampires. Do you like vampires that don't sparkle? I hate vampires that sparkle. Then you should read my book. Do you like well, and that's fiction? the that's the stuff right there, Brian. Like if you make a name for yourself as being an expert in vampires and fiction, and you're talking about what your ideal vampire is, what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, how you build them, what that means to you, and really the philosophy and the mythology behind vampires, and have that be your focus, that will bring in your following and bring in your niche, and then they'll want to read your books that are related to that. But if you're just posting, read my book about vampires all day, every day, 
right. it's just going to go into the you know the plethora of the stuff. The yeah. Flash what what makes your you're right because now yeah. people are wanting to know what makes your vampires different than someone else's vampires. Like mm-hmm. I'm actually planning on doing a lot more once the Enforcer drops, a lot more posts about my vampires, not just the book marketing of it, but different stuff like. A lot of people, like, if you take the movie Dracula 2000, what do they say about the vampire mythos? Dracula was the first vampire, and he was Judas Iscariot. My vampires yeah. go a lot further back. I take mine all the way back. And let's let's be real here. Everyone takes some of their vampire mythos from something that influenced them. Everyone does. Mm-hmm. Mine, my, my vampires started way back when, thanks to Cain, Cain and Abel from back then. Mm-hmm. And I've incorporated so much of that in some of the books. Now, granted, in my previous marketing marketing strategies, I didn't start talking about that. Now, yeah. when this book drops, I'm going to start having a marketing campaign based around that. Oh, exactly. You know? And if you're talking about that, I want to read your stuff. If you're just giving me the blurb, I'm not interested. Yeah, and I hate the yeah. A lot of my blurbs right now is, you know, I'm talking about what the book's about. But I'm also sort of putting what I think are, you know, interesting little quirky things in there. Like, oh, if your if your enemies are attacking from the shadows, hire the monster that the shadows fear. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff, little stuff like that. But yeah, once the as we start getting closer to the release of the Enforcer, which could be either around October or it might get pushed into 2021, we don't know yet. It depends mm-hmm. on how mark how we can do the marketing. I'm going to start doing more stuff about some of the mythos of my vampires, especially my lead character, Bryce Creed, as far as, and I'm actually going to do it as a way to piggyback off the controversy of Stephanie Meyer saying, Oh, well, all vampires have to be pale. It's like, Oh, Mm -hmm. thank you for giving me some gold (laughs) because I am going to milk it like a government cow. Yeah, it gives you a platformer to stand on. It's it's been an interesting test for me because the last yes. book that I published was Rin the Red Falcon with Three Furies last year. And I haven't really done any self-promotion at all in a year. And I sell just as many books, both ebooks and print books online than I did a year ago when I was self-promoting. It didn't change anything. I've still been active on social media. I still do things on social media. I sell my personality there, but I don't promote my books and I sell just as many books as I did when I was shooting stuff out all the time. And that's what I'm thinking about doing too. Like to, to your point, well, I mean, that's also because you have momentum though, isn't it? Yeah. I did take time to build momentum. Absolutely. And, and a lot of it was of course, lost when you're out of, out of mind, your momentum can be lost mm-hmm. because they, they, what was the figure a thousand books or more a day are published. So mm-hmm. there's constantly a glut of other books that are possibly within your same genre that people are seeing. And once people are seeing them, out of sight, out of mind stuff tends to be, you know, pushed by the wayside. So the fact that you're still having momentum later without having to do it means that you're doing something else that is working. Well, and I did other things. I, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking specifically against people that are just posting pictures of their books and blurbs on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and saying, buy my book. Why don't you care? Why aren't you buying this? Look what I did. Come on, friends and family and people do this. I built a lot of the momentum by going to conventions, speaking on panels, actually running ads on Facebook and Instagram or through Amazon and hitting audiences that weren't in my immediate circle. So they weren't just getting essentially hit over and over again with my stuff. 
and that's what built momentum for me. And that's what kept momentum going. Um, if I were to constantly just post stuff on Twitter and Instagram and wherever and saying, buy my book, that would kill the momentum for me. That would have people unfollowing me, not watching my feed, not yeah, wanting to listen. Spamming. You have my personality spamming. goes away. Yeah, I'm just spamming them at that point. Yeah. Just, just literally scrolling right past you because it's whatever. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's I'm no fun to make your posts all about just your book. You want to be able to talk and be social. That is the point of social media. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, one of my things that I want to do is I want to maybe just have like a single image and just, you know, a short little post, maybe even like, especially on Instagram, because you have a lot more space to do so. Not even so much a, a like some of the stuff from the book, but actually writing a post as my character. Yeah. And just talking as my character. And then have the hashtags and everything at the end. And if you want it, would you like to know more? Mm -hmm. But, and also even in my weight loss, um, in my weight Isa loss does something post, like that. Yeah. And then even in some of my stuff, when I talk about, you know, what it, my workout was and blah, 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 I'll put something about, you know, writing and blah, 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 and yada, 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 just to, oh, this guy writes too. Because mm -hmm. I've, I've go, I've gotten over trying to get family and friends to buy my books. I've got, I'm so over that. I used to get so butthurt and bent out of shape. I don't anyone that say they love me buy my books because some of them either aren't writers, or they just don't care. And I would rather somebody buy my book because they want to read it than just buying it because they feel like they have to. I ain't mm -hmm. gonna beg nobody read my shit. You either want to yeah. read it or you fucking don't. Honestly, family and friends, I you never the target worst. them. Never target them. No, they're your support system anyways. Give them the damn book for free. Unless, of course, that friend, like, legit just straight up asks you to write a book for her and gives you the plot and everything, and then she doesn't read it, Melissa. Oh. <laughs> oh, shit. Hey. See, I actually had a friend come to me and ask me to give him a book, and I'm like, huh, you want me to give you a book? Have you seen my refrigerator and how barren it is? Fuck you, dude. Here's an idea. Are you a carpenter? Build me a deck for free, asshole. I, then yeah, I'll I give was, you a book for free. I always but, but, look at it for friends and family. I'm like, you know what? I, <laughs> we always like to do homemade gifts. So here's the perfect homemade gift for you. Well, see, I'll do that. I'll do that. But you know what? I made, I made my mom buy a book on Kindle once. I made her buy one. I don't think she read it, though. Oh. <laughs> Which doesn't shock me. Honestly, I don't even want my mom reading my books because... I don't want, but my ex-wife looked at me when I, when she read, um, a particular scene in the enforcer and she had this horror struck look on her face. Like what goes through your mind? I said, would you like to know? I don't want my mom giving me that look. <laughs> but the goal, but the goal is if you want to be successful as an author and doing it full time, the goal is to have a thousand fans, a thousand dedicated fans, and none of them are going to be your close friends and family. And so in order to reach them, you have to market to your niche and you have to know what your niche is. And for you, Brian, it sounds like it's vampires. So that means you have to become a spokesperson for your vampires. Right. And if, if people then resonate with your vision, then they become your fan. Right. Absolutely. And the thing is, what really sucked, what really worked against me, because when I first wrote The Enforcer, I started writing The Enforcer back in 2007. I finished it in about two, around 2008, 2009. What was super prominent back then? Twilight. That's what worked against me. Thank you very much, Stephanie Meyer and your creeper, your your creeper where your creeper vampire guy who's over a hundred years old and is turned on by a high school girl. Thank you so much. 
And I actually had publishers tell me, no one gives a shit about vampires because of Twilight. Your book is, like, I can't do anything with this shit. Because everyone and their mom is writing vampire stuff. And I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> that really vampires sucks. have always been cyclical as far as a, a monster goes. They, yeah. they reach popularity, they fade back, they reach popularity again. It's like so. zombies. It's just like zombies. Yeah, they, they you come just ride they the go, wave. They come and they go. Yeah. Or and, you provide something new. You you give a new angle, and I think I that's why Stephanie got so so popular. Is she provided a very weird, but very memorable new angle? Absolutely, the sparkling the sparkling creepers that shouldn't be allowed anywhere near within the school. Who would have known, right? <laughs> yeah, no, because I I was seriously thinking about it. And I was like, dude, Twilight is largely inappropriate. This dude is old enough to be her ancestor, and he's watching her when she you sleeps. Think? Creepy, dude. If I if I snuck into Katie's house and watched her when she slept, she would have every right to shoot me. Or in, or in Katie, or in Katie's Katie case, would be pissed at me if she found out I was doing that. Dude, Katie would go Michonne on me quicker than you could shake a stick at me. But this dude does it because he's handsome and he sparkles. That's romantic. Bullshit! Your idea of romance is way different than mine. I don't even like people touching me in my sleep, let alone looking at me. See, life goals, Brian. You just wrapped yourself up in some Christmas lights. You're welcome to climb That's through any point. window. That's a good point. So I think now, now I should be able to walk outside naked. Yeah, I should be able to walk outside naked now because I put on icicle Christmas lights plugged into a little backpack generator. There you go. Doesn't matter that I'm naked. This is what's in. There's your next Instagram picture, Brian. Yep. <laughs> Handsome and sparkling. Next, and then and then it's also my Look, next I'm charge. I'm a sparkly vampire now. <laughs> I'm a sparkly vampire. Look at me. Oh, but, I, but I'm also really, really depressed because I'm I do not want to be near him at Halloween. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be. I definitely wouldn't want to be. I'm the, I'm the guy that ducks tape weird things to his body and just goes, I'm a Nikki Elf. Well, and, and Mike's talking about here about um, host for his book release that he's, he's setting up for one, two, and to start sending out ads is one of the things that he's talking about. But this is something that I've talked about a lot while I was asking you, Brian, what you were doing in preparation for your upcoming release. Right. Because even before I released my first book, I blogged for two years about the book as I was writing it and what I was going through to get people excited about what was going on. So I already had a fan base before I ever released that book. Now, of course, for yourself and Jonesy and Katie, we have fan bases already. But for new authors that are starting off, it's really important to start building that platform and finding your voice. That way your niche can talk to you and already be excited about what you're doing before you release that book. Right. And the good thing about blogging, especially if you do your SEO right, is that granted SEO takes a long ass time. But once you get it, it is so helpful. Like, honestly, mm -hmm. if I were thinking about this a couple of months ago. I would actually start writing blog posts from Bryce Creed's perspective, each yeah. of the characters' perspective, and just start putting that out there because, dude, Bryce Creed is such an interesting character. You know, mm -hmm. like, even people, you know, when people read the book, even as someone who's, like, people who have known me since I started playing Bryce Creed in Vampire the Masquerade, when they hear about the book and, like, I think one person read it, they're like, you know, even though you played this character for months mm -hmm. on end, He's so different now, but it's like, it's just enough you to keep it interesting, but it's not you. And it's like, I know, I'm smart. <laughs> so 
So now, what what class was uh was your character when he played? Oh, Bryce Creed was a bruja. He he was a bruja when he was when I played Cam Camarilla. He was a bruja that was just on the cusp of being like leaving the Camarilla to become an anarch. And but I I would if I played him in Sabat, he wasn't Sabat. He was almost like an evil anarch, but he still had the idea of being a warrior philosopher. But if he got irritated with you. He would do stupid shit to piss you off so you would come at him so he would have an excuse to beat the hell out of you. Nice. And if I play him in Anarch, it's just perfect. Because it's just like, hey, look at that. I don't have to follow anyone's rules but my own, and you're either going to follow my rules or I'm going to hit you in the face with a stop sign. <laughs> I actually, I kind of based Bryce Creed off of a little, in the earlier days, because Bryce Creed started off, and I, I talked about this on Josh's show, Bryce Creed started off as a nightmare. So when I started building who he was, it was like one part Theo Bell, who's my favorite character from the Vampire She's the Masquerade not that World kind of, of Darkness angle. universe. And a little bit of Blade, but with some of like my characteristics that I wish that I was confident enough to put out there. And then eventually, a lot of the Blade stuff sort of faded away, and some of the Theo Bell stuff started to fade away. And then even when some of it is still, like, some of it was still in there, like, wanting to be left the fuck alone and blah, blah, blah. And, but then there was a little bit, or just doing the little things to the hierarchy. Like, in The Enforcer, there's a master vampire in the region that Bryce lives. And he he's the master of the domain, so Bryce kind of has to show him respect, but he doesn't work for him. He's almost like mm -hmm. an independent contractor. So he'll do little things. He'll show him respect, but he'll do the little things to piss him off just because he can get away with it. And it reminds me of the character Theo Bell. At one point, he goes to visit the prince of the city, and he just doesn't like the guy. So he's smoking a cigarette, and they say, well, there's no smoke. And so he dropped the cigarette in one of his plant, like in one of his um, vases for his flowers and goes, oh, sorry. It just keeps on going about his business because what's the guy going to do to him? Technically, he's a higher rank than him, but he still has to respect his domain. So I do the same thing with Bryce Creed. And, you know, it's just little stuff like that. And it's those little quirks. And I try to put quirks like that in all of my characters. I have a character that I've started to outline the story. It takes place in the same universe that the Bryce Creed books do. And the character's name is uh, Creighton Steele. And he kind of does... He, he's more of a, a stand-up dude, but even he has his little quirks that he sort of does. Like, he, he refers to some of his younger, um, some of the younger people in his family as kid. And they're like, I'm not a, like, I'm 50 years old. How are you calling me a kid? Oh, because I'm older than you. You're still a kid. I was there when you were born. You're a kid. Fucking 60. Yeah, you're a kid. <laughs> I'm older than you. I can call you kid if I want to. But see, those are relatable things. You've got to have those kind of character quirks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what I try to do. Like, where all of my I do that to my kids who are like 23 now. Yeah. I'm going to do that to my son. I'm going to be calling my son Duder when he's 40. You know? So it's like, Duder, I'm a grown ass man. Yeah. And you're still my Duder. Do you want me to call you my baby? Because you are always going to be my baby. That's true. Oh, my YouTube baby boy. Yeah. <laughs> But um, I try to do, because I try to make my characters as relatable as possible. Chibi cheeks. Yeah, but it's little chibi cheeks and his little nose. 
because all of my protagonists are black males. I write what I know. They're black males. But I want to have it where anybody who's a male or anyone that has kids or anyone that's just sort of anti-authority can still relate to them. That's the one thing, like, now as we're... As we're not getting the cookie cutter characters from like the eighties and the nineties, the the tough guy, ripped dude, ripped white guy, the Rambo, the the you know the Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know all those guys, not all those guys were relatable to white males. Black guys would just say, "Hey, that guy's kind of cool," but whatever. But there was nothing relatable in their attitude. Like, how do I relate to John Rambo? Never been in <laughs> Vietnam. I'm not a survivalist in that regard. I can't relate to him. I just see the story as badass. But now I've got this character, Bryce Creed. Yeah, he's a part of me, but you know what? You can relate to him. Like, if Josh is completely anti-establishment, yeah, you know what? If I do have to respect someone, yeah, but I'm still going to do it on my terms. I can relate to that. That's my main thing, too, is to be able to write characters that people can relate to. Even relate to some of my villains. How many of us relate to Darth Vader just because we want to be able to do the things that he does? And, and I've seen Rebecca. I've seen Rebecca do this before, but I'll be honest, I don't see it out of a lot of authors. And that's what I'm talking about. It is Instagram. If you want to get a lot of following on Instagram and a lot of attention, go live on Instagram on the live stories frequently and talk about the stuff that you're talking about. Talk about writing black characters in fiction. Talk about what qualities are important. What things you want to make sure is in invested in a character, what you struggle with because you can't relate with and what research you're doing to kind of fill that gap. Like going live and talking about these things with your community and making a fuss about it and showing your interest and your investment is what gets fans excited to right. be a part of your community and be invested in your books. And that's what I don't see a lot of authors doing. They they no, embrace their inner introvert or their outer introvert yeah. and they kind of steal off and they write their books and they're just like, here's what I wrote, go buy it. <laughs> You can't do that. You have to get people excited as you're excited about the stories and the characters you're creating and why you made them the way that you did. See, right. That's the big disconnect between authors of the past and authors now. Authors of the past were able to be the introvert. Whereas you could be Harper now, Lee back in the day. You can't do yeah, it. Yeah, you have to. And and I we even find it on Spilling Ink a lot when we Well, it's because you didn't have a choice either. You couldn't True. you couldn't like go out and see them. Yeah, True. but I mean, but like guys like Stephen King and or now Dean we can. Koontz, well, like guys like Dean Koontz and Stephen King and Clive Barker, they would go to conventions, they would do the book signings. Harper Lee just wrote a great book and was like, all right, I ain't talking to nobody. Fuck you guys. And that's exactly what she but did. But today's crowd demands mm -hmm. to They to demand that closeness, yeah. But authors are not all up for it, though. That's the thing I was about to say is... Even when we reach out as Spilling Ink to other authors to invite them on the show, there are still times when we get pushback because an author is not comfortable going live, comfortable being in the public eye. And that, that's a negative on them because they have to in this day and age. Well, I have to have mm -hmm. video on too? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that and, and that's why... Out. And, and that's why when Shane and I you know, are when, when I did people, beautiful book geeks, you know, our main selling point to authors was they didn't have to have their camera on. Like so mm -hmm. many of them were just like, no, I, I, I could never do a live show. And then they're like, wait, I don't have to have my camera on. Okay. I'm there for that. See me. I'm probably among the best guests ever because you're not going to get pushback from me from doing this. You never, mm -hmm. never have never will. I part, part of the reason why I do shows like these is because I want to be able to talk about my writing and stuff so people can hear how excited I get. And then they get excited. 
each and every one of you got to know me because you guys have either seen me on someone else's show or were on a panel with me, heard me talking, and that's what drew you in. And that's why I do these shows, to start drawing more people in. That's how I met Shane Wilson. If it Mm -hmm. wasn't for Josh Robertson doing his show and Shane Wilson hearing how excited I get on things, there would be no Plotaholics. Doing Joshua Robertson's show, that's how I met um, Joe Compton. I met and Katie. I believe you, you and I. I didn't geez. think he was going to say show. Katie, you and I met through Kendra because Kendra did my show, right? Mm-hmm. And that's how you and I met. And you heard how I was, and that's mm-hmm. how we connected. It's it's that's why. And I'm, I I agree. I admit I need to do more, and I'm going to start doing more because I think part of it is that. I kind of fell into this COVID thing is really fucking. Can I just keep up? No, you cannot, Derek Bourne. Yes, Derek, please do that. No, Derek Bourne. The 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 yes yes the, you can't just the, just do that. The, the dark cool. the dark haired stepchild of um Jason Opless? Bourne. You can't do that. No. Okay. Well, what if you just put your head on their body? That's well, different. <laughs> you can do that. You can do that. Better yet, right. no. You should put. You should take a picture of yourself topless and put Chris Hemsworth's face on your topless body. There you go. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm actually gonna. I say, a... how about I just put Chris Hemsworth's face on my body? Fine, but you have to be topless when you do it. Just put like a little X on your nipples. Just put like electrical tape on your nipples and then put Chris Hemsworth's face. The, the camera on your doesn't body. go that low anyway. They, I'm barely even showing my butterfly. It. You know, you need to work on that then. Just stand up and do it. I'll give you a dollar. A <laughs> That's what that's dollar. worth to you, Brian. No, Josh, I'll give you eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going higher than ten. I'm not I'm not oh, paying. Well, I see how I rank oh. this now. I see so I see now how I'm going. Well, I can't go higher than ten because I'm My not pecs getting are enough bigger. royalty shit. You know what? Hey, I took a picture of myself topless the other day, and I realized that my underboob skin is way lighter than my belly skin. That means that my man tits aren't flopping over anymore, okay? I don't want to hear it. Is that a, We need a round of applause for that? Yay, I'm less fat than I used to be. Woo! I'm so proud of you, Brian. Golf clap. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, let's see. If I do that, I need to work on my no, no working on the abs. It needs to be real, real. <laughs> so I may, I may get some backlash for this because I know there's two sides of this coin of the argument. But I think that if you want to be an author just as Don't a hobby, it, it's okay not to make fun of Rebecca's pecs, but it's also okay not to go out on videos and do things if you just want to write as a hobby and it's not a source of income and you don't want to make a living at doing it no you don't need to have all those types of things but yeah. it's not just being an author any entrepreneur job in the modern age requires that you have a social presence and you show your face and you engage with an audience Absolutely. and that you are real and that you're genuine with them and it doesn't matter what you're doing any yeah. entrepreneurship in the modern age requires that in entrepreneurship you have to do all of the work all the glamorous life work and all of the grunt shit work. You have to be Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Dennis Rodman if you want to be a successful entrepreneur. And if you're not prepared to do that, then it's just a hobby. And it's okay. If that and if that's what you're shooting for, cool. 
But and, you, and that's it, we should make that clear. It is okay to write yeah, as a hobby. It is absolutely. okay to not put 110% of yourself into it. But if you want to have success as an author, as a career, this is the side of it that you didn't know existed that you now have to do. Right. Unless you get an amazing like contract with a major publisher. Unless you just get so much. Unless you get far between. Who, who's, the one, who's, who's, the, who's the weirdo that wrote, Um, and I'm calling this person a weirdo because- And then they'll still they they'll sign you someone who takes that role instead. Right. Who, and I, the reason why I'm calling this person a weirdo is because they wrote about a topic they didn't know jack shit about and got a ton of cash for it. Who's the goofball that wrote on um, Fifty Shades? If you you got to get Fifty Shades lucky, and that doesn't say, happen all the time. Yeah, that that hack from Fifty Shades. Yeah, she yeah. she knew nothing about BDSM, right? Or That's being a millionaire a or, or anything. You know, and, I don't, I don't know what the through. hell she did. I think she just self-published and then like the right yeah, person and that's, that's just what she had. happened she to see only had it. marketing. And, well, that's, and that's the problem though, is that a lot of people are looking at that, at that I'm going to be that next, because that was me. I was that person. I'm going to write, write the next great American novel. All I have to do is put something good out there and the right person will read it and then bam, it's going to happen. Bullshit, kid. That is not the way the world works. Again, back to finding the virgins and the full moon. That's the only way that side works. <laughs> and, and it has to be straight up virgins, not just hand well, stuff or butt stuff or mouth stuff. It is complete, innocent, and virginal. And there are very few of those left over that are an appropriate age for sacrifice. And now we're back Not to the nursery. Not that I... Yeah, but that's appropriate an appropriate... age for sacrificing. Come on now. Yeah, I don't exactly. condone this message. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonesy's the one talking about going at nurseries so and stuff. So you're talking more than 24 hours oh. aged. Yes! You monster. <laughs> you're well, right, AF. Right, yeah, Anita. yeah, she did admit Fifty Shades was Twilight fan fiction. That, that, and that is even scarier working. and sadder. That is even sadder. So basically, so she wanted dead. Edward, so she wanted Edward to just like break into her house, kidnap her, take her to some place, and be like, "Well, hey, I got a lot of money, so this isn't illegal. So you're just gonna sit here and err and r." Because I'm sorry if it's, that dude, if it's that just dude, so gross. It's so gross. Yeah, Brian froze. We got spot for Brian to freeze on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that is perfect. It's weird. Right, okay, it's perfect. How much of it though? How much of I think it was El? Right? How much of El James's success was because of the tie to Twilight, and how much of it was because of her marketing background? I think that it was the marketing that did it because she tapped. hundred percent of it was lot, the marketing. It was the marketing because it, it tapped into a lot of people's sort of some of their fantasies like because there, there are people that have that sort of fantasy out there and it tapped into it god it almost made me throw up that my mom admitted that she read it and liked it and went to go well, see the movie it I'm was like, marketed as mommy porn and and yes. that was such a catchy phrase yes because people because it and this is what it boils down to because i was having this conversation mm -hmm. with someone it's the sort of the inherited prude nature of the united states of america and how so many things that revolve around sex are no no but violence is okay when they heard that they could have the mommy porn which makes it essentially acceptable now they can give in yeah. to their all their sexual fantasies and blah 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 but if you had someone that say 
hey, I watch porn and that's all there is to it. Now, oh, you're a deviant and you're watching so much porn, you can't have a healthy sex life. Dude, I'm not saying that I'm watching porn 24 hours a day and every time I order a pizza, I'm expecting for 25 minutes of fun to kick in as a tip. No, it's just you're not in a you're not in a sexual relationship, so you watch porn. You, or you just have that box, kink. Right? That was yeah. eerily specific. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not saying that I had my own thing going on. I'm just saying that there were a couple times where I would show up for class. He's not saying that he doesn't have a regular role play. Hey, I'm not saying that I was disappointed that my hot teacher didn't just attack me for a grade, but she should have. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> with, with DL James, which I, I, I'm not going to speak for or against her, um, but one of the things that she did is she tapped into a niche market that had not been tapped into yet, and that benefited her. Right, I think. right, and, because Twilight yeah. started it. Twilight started it, and then she, she it took it to that next level. Yeah, and that's and I think that's a piece that all of us are challenged as as entrepreneurs is trying to find what is that next thing that's going to catch wildfire. I mean, in her case, yeah, it, it was her particular genre and what she wrote in. But I think all of us are trying to find that next thing that's going to go to the next step. And we right. talked about this on panels about romance genre and fantasy genre and sci-fi genre. And now we've seen other genres come out of those. Um, even like the new the military genre has been kind of hot with like the military sci-fi stuff and military fantasy. But all of us, I think, are trying to be like, what's that next book that I write that goes to that level and takes it to that next step that really captures the interest of readers? And we but all struggle with that. I, I don't blame her for her success. She did well. Not in at all. Finding not at all. I, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I can't write that stuff. The hey, only my, thing my, I'm impugning her on is I don't blame her for her she knew success. I blame her for her edits. I, I, and not I, understanding. I only, I, I only uh, blame her getting ahead on a subject a that she didn't truly know about. But mm -hmm. as far as her success or um, Stephanie Meyer's success, hey, you succeeded. Congratulations. Good for you. Good on you. You never have to work a day job again in your life. Mm -hmm. Good but on the, you. The secret sauce, though, isn't just writing in the genre. It's figuring out how to get the, the readers of that genre to listen. It's just like losing weight. 90% of, 90 well, it's of also, losing weight it, it's also is in the kitchen. It's also a very large part of, of, is, in fact, luck. Yeah, it's luck, it's marketing. Writing, and I tell, every time someone it's tells me, well, this person wants to write, can you talk to them? What the hell do you want me to tell them? You want to write? Write the fucking book. That's the easy there. part. There you go. Write the book. That's the easy part. You want to know what the hard part is? It's your marketing. It's your, it's everything that it comes into marketing. It's networking, mm -hmm. not just for social media, but going out there and meeting other authors, either via social media or writers groups. Now, granted, I did the writers group thing. It sucked for me. I'd rather meet authors this way. Fuck writing yeah. group because then you go into these groups and you get always one person. Yeah, well, I had this kind of success and I can call James Patterson Jim and blah, blah, blah. Hold on. I have to fart. Let me bend over and sniff. No, don't need that. Don't need that. But it's a, the, the writing the book is the hard, is the easiest part, period. The hardest part is getting out there and getting people to read your book. And quit and quit and you know and that's another thing too. Every time someone asks me, well, what do I need to do as an author? Write the fucking book first. But how do I market? Write the fucking book first. Don't worry about any of that shit until you write it. Once you get, I you don't know, agree with you, write Brian. the book, find your market, then market. Yeah, well, research you what your market is. 
you have to know what your market's going to be as you're writing it because you you want to start building that platform before the book comes out so that you have right. a platform to release on. Right. So yeah. there, there is a little bit of both, but yes, get the first draft done. Yeah, Absolutely. At least, yeah. Well, that's what I say, and I should clarify. That's my fault. When I say write the fucking book, write your first draft. Mm-hmm. Then so that's not what people are reading is the first draft. Right. They are never reading that yeah, first write draft. Write the book. But, but, Find your market, then rewrite to market. Yeah. Write your first draft and then throw that shit in the trash and then go (laughs) write it again. Yeah. But and as you're writing that first draft, know what your market is going to be. Research your market. Research the hashtags associated with that market. And then when you find some, you either find a publisher or find an editor, be prepared that you're going to get so much red ink on that shit, it is going to look like someone bled all over it because your first draft is garbage. I'm guessing we're talking at first-time authors here. Well, we're also talking about Brian Tan's books. My first drafts are a hot mess, but you know what? I got the story Um, down. Now I have something to edit. Yeah, and I always it's, tell people your first draft is supposed to yeah. suck. Some some if authors just write that way, and that's totally fine wrong. too. Yeah, uh-huh. your first draft is never going to be perfect the first time. If it is, then guess what? You must be God or some other deity. Better you're yet, doing you're it probably wrong. yeah, you're doing it way wrong. You're probably John Henry, who's decided he's no longer a <laughs> still driving man. He's the book writing man. I bet you John Henry is the only guy who could write a book perfect the first time, either him or Chuck Norris. And Chuck Norris just roundhouse kicked a stack of papers and it became a best-selling novel. And Derek Bourne is absolutely right. There should be more pictures of Brian Tan on the cover of every book in America. There you go. Keep in various po- poses. Yes, keep doing those poses. <laughs> I'm totally putting Brian Tan no. on the cover of the uh, oh, no. book that we published for him. Oh, no. She'll do it too. A big smile of my hockey tooth. That's what I'm doing now. I'll do it. All I'll right. do it. You ain't you ain't scaring me. Shit. I love seeing my face. I figure if I gotta wake I up know, to this it's mug gonna be every fun. day, if everyone if I gotta wake up to this mug every day, everyone else should too. <laughs> Shit. That, that, the, there's another fair point. Sharing a, a bottle of oil nice. and a camera, it'll be fine. Well, she already takes pictures of me in my sleep. It's kinda it's kinda off putting. Blow those up, hang them on the ceiling, and then wake up to himself. Well, she well she takes the pictures and she's like, "See, your belly's going down." It's like, I look like I look like a bear that just had sex with a dolphin, and you're taking a picture of it. It's weird, I tell you. All right, I you can't just had sex with a dolphin. Looks like just it tell her, like- say, "Of course it's going down." I'm exhaling. <laughs> She catches me at just the right moment where I look like Antonio Banderas. You gotta wonder what it's like to wake up first thing in the morning and as your eyes open, you see a big giant version of yourself right above you. Oh, Jesus Christ, what is that? Oh, it's me. Oh, like you've never slept in a bed with a mirror over it, Katie. No. You have. I don't believe that for me. You may not remember. I honestly say I have not. Well, see, I don't sleep on my back anyway. I sleep ass in the air, and that could be very, very bad if I ever get arrested. <laughs> that'll just be a that'll just be another picture, and then I'll be the dolphin instead of the bear. I don't even understand the reference. Sleeps to like a baby old he's, like, he's like 59, 60 years old. Yeah, but he's still a sexy dude, or at least he was a sexy dude. He, he, can grow. he did have his moment. Yeah, he had his moment. That's how he got Melanie Griffith. Don't don't harsh on his fantasy. No, I, I like change. him. I'm just trying to see the the. I mean, he's got a hell of a beard. 
Dude, I'll tell you something right now. I still see Antonio Banderas from Desperado. You know, it's all the voice. <laughs> and there it's you the go. Accent. You don't have to see the face. Just listen to the voice and the accent. Clint, yeah. I, I, loved, I loved him in Expendables 3. That was the best ever. He was, him, him and Wesley Snipes were amazing in the Expendables 3. <laughs> what were you in prison for? Tax evasion. I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> uh. This right, is why guys. I'm so much fun because I take conversations in so many different areas. You don't know where you are. Well, that's what we needed because we're missing Jay tonight. Jay's yeah. usually our, our resident derailer. Dude, if you if can you imagine if Jay and I if Jason and I seriously had to come up with the with the travel oh I don't even have my cat to hold up our butt. It would be the worst thing ever. Like our our street system would look worse than Atlanta and Pittsburgh combined. We would have we would have roads just driving into mountains for reasons, <laughs> just because we thought it would be funny. We're just gonna put you two both on your ass, and then just let you guys just wander off into whatever directions you go. <laughs> I think that would be entertaining. I think my eyeball has a nipple on it. <laughs> what does that even What does that even mean? I don't know. It'd probably be thoroughly entertaining. I'm not joking. I think if I think. <laughs> I think that Jason and I should just do a podcast where we both either get high or drunk and just talk. And there's the cat butt. <laughs> cat booty coming in. All right. Now. Check, check, check. We, we've gotten all the, the items we need for our show, except Rebecca, since you're here and you're our sponsor, oh why don't God. you give us your sponsor stuff? Yeah. Read your bumper line. Read your own bumper line. Do it. She does not want to. She don't want to. I pay you to do that. Ooh. Yeah. I don't remember I what it that, is. I knew that was coming. <laughs> All right, I, I don't I'll have to do that shit. I pay you for it. All right. It's your name. Okay. Oh, I think and I locked you, up. And you write what? Just put it in the chat. I'll read it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just a line. I was just trying to see if I can get her to read it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. I, I was getting ready to make a Rebecca joke. Rebecca says... and I write fantasies both killer and sexy. Yay! So check them out. <laughs> Meme. <sighs> Gotta love putting people on the spot. I will make sure all the links are in the show notes, so don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right well we are out of time we're actually two minutes over time the show just flew by you guys were awesome thank you so much for hanging in there uh, jonesy and and uh, joshua thank you so much for being there at the last minute that was awesome of you guys and you know you're always welcome on anytime so i was really happy to have you tonight but you guys can come back anytime you want and same thing with you brian we know you're our brother you're, yeah. you're the show's brother you come on anytime you want to Anytime you want me, I am there. I'll hold you to that, too. You know it. Yeah, anytime. <laughs> anytime. Day or night, clothed or unclothed. Clothes. Please close. Close. And he always brings Whatever. the power. I we always gotta, bring the power. Oh, yeah. You didn't get to see my T-shirt. My favorite comic character of all time, Luke Cage. Oh, nice. Love Luke Cage. Luke Cage is who I'm. I'm, I'm striving to, to resemble a shorter version of Mike Coulter. That's who played Luke Cage on the Netflix series. Oh, fuck yeah. I just want, I'm just not as dark and I don't have as gnarly. See, the thing is, it's not about volume. 
it's about Suave, and his goatee is Rico Suave. I'm still holding you to the uh, the beard thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. as soon as I don't need a CPAP because I'm a fat guy, I'm growing a beard that is just going to be... I'm going to be calling upon my mother continent ancestors that had the awesomest beards. I'm going to call upon them to have the... And that's going to be its name. All right. Just because I wanted to do it again. Well, then we will hold you to that. But until then, thank you guys for watching Spilling Ink. Please be sure to like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll be back next week with more authors to introduce you to and some more fun and crazy conversations. Until then, see you later, guys.